You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. On June 12th, 1999, I came down with the summer flu. I don't ever get the summer flu. I'm just a very healthy person normally. Well, the summer flu lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, it was so bad that I couldn't walk across the, my lawn without having a lawn chair. I preached from a chair. Uh, I went. Uh, my doctor was Dr. Johnson at the time. We went through all kinds of different tests. He was very willing to work with me on it. As a matter of fact, uh, just a couple of them. I had. Um, I walked in one day and explained what was happening and. And he said, I think you may have spinal meningitis. I'm going to send you to the hospital and get a a spinal tap. And I said, no, I'm not going. He said, Joel, some things are out of your hands. Went out and talked to Renee. Guess where I ended up? (laughs) In the hospital getting a spinal tap. I had all kinds of different tests. Finally, I said to him, Dr. Johnson, you know, we have the best diagnosticians down the road here at Mayo. I'd like to, to go there. And he said, I think that's a good idea. So I went there and went through the battery of tests over a period of weeks. Uh, after that, <clears throat> they said, you have post-viral syndrome. You know what that means. We have no idea what that is, but we're going to put a name on it. Okay? But in the meantime, we found out that I had sleep apnea. And so I did a sleep test, and I, I hadn't felt so good in a very long time. I walked across the street, bought a CPAP, um, breathing device. Some of you know what that is. And I felt so good from then on that I actually went into remission for eight years. What I had was Lyme disease. Lyme does not come alone. It comes uh, with co-infections. I had Bartonella, Babesia, and Lyme. And uh, I did pretty good. For another four years, I was lead pastor over at Trinity Lutheran in, in New Hampton. Uh, I traveled back and forth here because at the time, Renee also had Lyme disease as well, along with co-infections. And um, so, Renee is very good at putting things together. So, she, she checked out uh, all about Lyme disease and, and the co-infections and all of that. And I never get this story quite right. But she was also on, in a prayer group on the Internet. And one of her friends, Catherine, said to her, I've been listening to a, a guy who talks about healing, Andrew Womack. And uh, so I'd like you to kind of listen to that and see what you think. So she began to look at that. And all of a sudden, that was making a lot of sense, this whole healing stuff. And it was stuff that was not taught in, in the mainline denominations, basically. And uh, uh, so one night, as we were, it was June 23rd, actually, 2012, January 23rd, yes, yes, middle of the winter, not the middle of the summer, okay? January uh, 23rd, 20, uh, 2012, um, she said, I'd like you to listen to God Wants You Well, uh, and it was a teaching. And he went through and said some things that I hadn't heard before. You don't have to just ask. Because you are a child of God, you have the authority to command. And the two texts are basically, if you say to this mountain, go into the sea, it'll go into the sea. But you you can't doubt. And the other one says about the tree, and I never remember which is which. But And if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can do that. And I went, oh, that makes sense. The other thing is that I, I don't know how many times I'd heard that Jesus suffered and died for my sins, but by his stripes I am healed. So I, I'm going, oh, okay, how come I never heard that? You know, it was there. It had been in our texts. I'd preached on different things like that. And I went, okay, that makes some sense as well. So uh, he also talked about speaking in tongues. And... Uh, Renee said, well, what do you think of speaking in tongues? Now, I'd been in the Air Force for eight years. Renee and I had traveled many different places. We'd heard speaking in tongues, different things like that. That was something that Renee wanted, and she felt very comfortable with it and a lot of peace, and I'm kind of going, eh. 
So when she said, what about the, the speaking in tongues? I said, I'm Lutheran. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> Very biblical. Had no problem with it as such. Wasn't one of the gifts that I desired. Usually when I talk about this, people get hung up on the speaking in tongues. If I, no, not here. But if I said, I had the gift of, and one of them would be administration, they'd go, oh, great. But you say speaking in tongues, they go, oh, weird. So I went to bed that night, and I went, you know, this is very practical. It's very down-to-earth. It's extremely biblical. And so I went, okay, God, I'm, a, I'm your child. And I commanded that the line Bartonella and Babesia die. I mean, that's all that I did. 10.30 at night, laid down, went to sleep. Four o'clock in the morning, I woke up. There was no wake-up time, no dreams, nothing. Sat straight up in bed, and the first words out of my mouth were, I'm healed. And then the affirmation was, I spoke in tongues. And it's kind of like, Okay. <laughs> and I laid back down and went to sleep. As a pastor for many, many years, you go through stuff in the middle of the night. I just learned you lay back down and you go to sleep. I woke up the next morning. I had not felt that good forever. I mean, it was absolutely wonderful. Oh, my wife has written out the, all the symptoms that disappeared that night. I never remember them. There were about 20 total symptoms that in that healing instant disappeared. These are listed, on, and by the way, I was on disability for three years prior to this, and I had to list this on the form for disability. It uh, was Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, sleep apnea, arthritis. I had, I had Lyme arthritis so that my joints ached, but I also was getting the, the Lyme or the arthritis bumps. They disappeared. And I conditioned. Uh, I don't know. Oh, thyroid disease. Yep. Pre-Parkinson's, which was some shaking. Uh, yeah, and, and part of it was, was that this was very difficult because on the three years of disability, I would be overwhelmed very easily by sound, by movement, by actions. And, uh, you know, my kid, my grandkids, kids and grandkids would come, and they'd come in the house, and within a half an hour, I would have to go up and lay down. I couldn't stand to be around them. That was horrible. All of that disappeared. All of that disappeared. God listens to Lutherans. <laughs> I'm not pushing any denomination. Don't misunderstand that. But God is a God of grace. God, by his stripes we are healed. What a powerful, powerful God that we have. The same, you know, the same spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And we need to learn to continually, as, as Pastor Jeff has done, continually call on that power. Because he is here. He wants you well. God wants you well. Thank you for the opportunity. By the way, just a, a sidelight here. They spell their name wrong. It's I-N, ours is E-N, okay? Now, uh, tell them about God's aim that you... Oh, yes. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, I had Lyme for 12 years when I was healed. Renee had had it for 23 years. And she had wanted the gift of, of, uh, of speaking in tongues. And after I told her about all of this, she was healed as well about a week later and, and got the gift, or three weeks later, a month later. Yeah, a couple of months before the Lyme died. But then I got thinking about that, and I thought, you know, God has a really weird sense of humor or poor aim <laughs> because he was aiming at Renee and hit me. Thank you, Good. Hey, no problem.
went through four years of seminary. I was in the United Methodist Church for nine years, and I never, I didn't know this stuff. You know, I kind of like you, you know, I just happened to stumble ap- across material. And I was really leery at first. You know, I don't know how, what you're, you know, as you kind of venture into that. But, you know, a lot of the people that, you know, I was trying to, that people were trying to expose me to that were teaching this stuff, you know, we had been told in seminary, you just avoid these people. They're, they're heretics. I mean, they're, you know, I just had all kinds of titles for these people. And so I was sharing with Joel that uh, in, in the church that I came from in uh, Sheldon, uh, there was a couple there, and they were just these kind of people that were, um, they just had a very strong faith. And you just could be around them for just a moment, and you could just tell these people walked with God. And um, so I, I was leading a Sunday school class, and they were in, and they were very, very confident about the word, and there was just something very attractive about them as a couple. And so I kind of gravitated toward them pretty quickly and got to know them and found out that they owned a bookstore, a Christian bookstore in town. And so I had gone over uh, to, to the bookstore, and, and she kind of showed me around their bookstore, and they just had tons of, of books and Bible covers and Bibles and, I mean, whatever, whatever you would want in a Christian bookstore. And then she said to me, now, she said, as the pastor, she said, what I want you to understand is everything in this bookstore, whatever you want, you take at no cost. And I was like, Wow. I'm looking for a shopping cart, you know, because I like to read. And so I'm kind of walking around the bookstore, and the vast majority of books were books I was told, you just avoid these authors. They're heretics. They take things out of context. Uh, they say things that are, that are not biblical. And so I'm kind of just walking around, and I'm just seeing all of these names of these people. You know, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen. You know, um, Andrew Womack. I mean, it was just like this laundry list of names. And so I didn't take anything. And so a couple of weeks later, she invited me back over. And, you know, we're in the bookstore again. And I didn't take anything. And so she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. And she said, why won't you take any of the books? And I said, I got to be honest with you. And so I told her, this is, you know, kind of my seminary background. This is what we were told, is that a lot of these authors are people that are heretics, uh, that they're, they're not Christians, um, they're not teaching the truth, they're taking the Bible out of context, you know, the, the prosperity gospel type thing. And so she said, have you ever read any of these books for yourself? And I said, no, I, I hadn't. And she said, would you be willing to just read one book on your own and form your own opinion? I said, yeah, I would. So she gave me one of Kenneth Hagin's books. It was a book on faith, real thin little book. And I thought, well, this can't be harmful. I think it was like, I think it was like maybe 40 pages. It wasn't really long at all. And I went home that day, and I read that book. And I got to the end of that book, and I, my, my first reaction was, I didn't find anything um, heretical, unbiblical, I actually learned some things about faith from this man. I went back and read that book, that same book, two or three times and realized these, they're, they're teaching the truth. And that's when I got a, started getting a hold of a lot of the material that I learned. Same thing as you. I preached on this stuff. And I had no understanding that when Jesus went to the cross and bled and died, that my sins were forgiven and my sicknesses and my diseases were uh, paid for as well, that they, they, were, they were provided for. Healing was provided for in the atonement. I never, ever heard that, or, or at least it never really sunk in in any meaningful way. And so, again, it, it's just, sometimes it's just taking that and listening to it yourself and not relying on other people's opinions. That, that you do, you know, you be Berean. You look into this. You study this. You read this. You be led by the Spirit on this. And don't rely on other people. Um, and so again, it was just a huge, huge lesson 
to me. So I appreciate you sharing uh, your, your testimony. And yeah, it, we, we pronounce it the same way, but we do spell it differently. And so he, he got the jump on me on that one, telling everybody that we spell ours wrong. So I'll have to be a little quicker next time. So, Okay, last week we kind of got started on just really talking about how to position yourself for healing. I mean, there, there are ways, and I, and I think what he's kind of shared a little bit in the testimony was just, again, positioning ourselves in such a way that we are able to just receive, to be able to walk in and to have um, that healing manifested. One, one other thing I want to share with you, which was really, really interesting, because again, teaching this stuff, sometimes you get into a situation and you kind of forget. So I was sharing with Joel, was it, I told you this, I think on Sunday, at the, at the dinner, I don't remember, but he had shared with me his testimony, and he had shared with me that concept of commanding, and so um, I think it was that Sunday after we had the dinner, um, and he, he had shared that with me during lunch. I, I went out hunting that afternoon, and I had, I had been having the chills that, the all day Sunday, I just could not get warm, um, I, I, you know, and so sometimes that's kind of for me an indicator that, you know, I'm probably not feeling the best and probably just needed to stay home, but I love to hunt. So I just thought, I'm going to go, and it's just sitting up in a tree stand, and I got up in that tree stand, and I'm just telling you what, everything that could have started going wrong started going wrong. I mean, my stomach was upset. I, I mean, just, I'm not going to go into all the details because you don't need to know all the details, but it, I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking, I should not have come. And so all of a sudden, it kind of just came to my mind as he was sharing about the commanding thing. And I thought, okay, I'm, I, this is not the time or place for this. This is never the time or place for this. So I just started kind of just, I just kind of dialed down in my spirit and I said, okay, what do I need to command here? So I just started going through everything that, every symptom that I was experiencing. And I just said, I command you, stomach, I command you to stop churning. Baal, I command, and I just started going through and I just started commanding and listing Everything that was wrong. In five minutes, I was perfectly fine. Chills. I command you in the name of Jesus to stop now. And I just, so that was just, a, again, every time when I hear people's testimonies, I learn something about healing. And so as I'm sitting there in that tree stand, that came to my remembrance, what you shared with me about that commanding. And I just started just commanding things that, that, I, that were manifesting, stop manifesting. And they did. And like I said, five minutes later, I was perfectly fine. I shared that with you out there. Uh, Jason was out hunting with me. Kurt was with me. And I shared that with them. I did not feel good when we got out here. And this is what I did. And Jason's like, how are you now? I said, I'm perfectly fine. And I was. So again, just sometimes you just learn things. And, and it could just be little simple things like that that really begin to help you position yourself to be able to walk this out. And so I want to kind of just uh, pick up on that. And we've kind of been using Proverbs chapter 4 verses uh, 20 through 22. And it's where it says, my son, um, again, that ladies, that is uh, gender neutral. Okay. You, you can say my children um, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health healing to all, all their flesh. We started on that first way to position yourself to receive and to walk in divine healing, and that really is intimate fellowship, intimate relationship with God the Father. And that is, uh, again, all of the promises that are in Scripture. And there are many, many healing promises in Scripture. There are many blessings that God bestows upon those of us who are his children, okay, all of those spring forth, those promises, those blessings from the Father, all of those spring forth from an intimate, personal relationship with the Father. So that's why Proverbs 4.20 starts off with that, those two words, my son. Now again, you'll, you'll find that phrase really throughout the whole book of Proverbs. So last week we left off talking about this point 
that one of the um, benefits when Jesus took on, when God took on human flesh, walked among us uh, as Jesus of Nazareth. One of the many things that Jesus accomplished in his earthly ministry is he really came to correct misconceptions that we had about Father God. So he really kind of came to give us an accurate picture of who God really truly was because we had some really messed up ideas of who God was. And Jesus came really in part to correct those, to give us a proper understanding, a proper insight into who God really is. And so one of the reasons Jesus came to the earth was he came to reveal to us the Father and his heart. And Jesus came to reveal the Father again because the perceptions many people had regarding who God the Father was were just inaccurate and faulty. People in Jesus' day, people throughout every age, every generation have misconstrued, twisted, inaccurate understandings about who God the Father is. And Jesus came in part to show and to reveal us who God the Father truly is and how he feels towards mankind. That is so important. Jesus came to show you and I what God really thinks about when he thinks about us. What God really sees when God looks at us. So on many occasions when Jesus taught, he would take the opportunity to just kind of give us a a, a clearer deeper insight, understanding into the nature, the person of God the Father. One such occurrence was in Matthew chapter 7. This is, how many of you remember 7-11s? One of the ways I remember this scripture is this is one of the, you know, 7-11, you kind of run in when you need something quick. If it's an emergency, everything else is closed, you don't know where else to go, go to 7-11. This is this is, this is one of those 7-Elevens. When you don't know where else to go in Scripture and you, you just feel like you're in trouble, go to 7-Eleven, Matthew 7-Eleven. And it's where Jesus is giving us some very clear insight into the heart of Father God. And Jesus begins in verse 9 and he says, you parents. Now, how many of you out here are parents? Okay, he's talking to you. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, what are you as parents going to do? What have, you, what have you as parents done? Give them bread, right? That's, I mean, no one here is going to argue that. If your child comes to you and says, I'm hungry, you don't take off your shoe and say, eat. Okay, we all understand that. We get that. Jesus says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? It's a rhetorical question. The listeners of those days, just as the listener today says, absolutely not. Are you nuts? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you, sinful, and, and, and Jesus doesn't say this in a condemning way. Just says, so if you, sinful, evil parents, if even you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Let those three words sink in. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So if those of us, and you raise your hand, if those of us who are sinful, who are not perfect, evil parents, if you're sinful and you know how to give good gifts, if you know how to bless your children, 
How much more would a perfect, loving, gracious, perfectly kind father give good gifts to his children? Now, why, why do we need to understand this? Why do we need to see Father God's heart in this? Let me ask you this. If your children, if a child, if you're a parent here tonight, and your child had cancer or some other life-threatening sickness or disease, would it be your heart's desire for that child to be healed? Anybody here that that would not be your desire, that you would want that for your child? If you, evil, and I say that with all the love I can muster because I'm including myself in that. If we, evil, sinful, rebellious, imperfect parents would want that for our children if I, you, would want your child healed of that cancer, of that life-potentially-threatening disease or sickness, if you, if I, sinful, evil, unbelieving, imperfect parents would want that, how much more would a loving, perfect father want that as well? That's what Jesus is getting at here. Now think about this. If I'm evil, want that for my child. If you, imperfect, want that for your child, how much more, how can a perfect father want any less for his children? Am I, are you more compassionate than God? Am I, are you more loving than God? Moms, dads, does your love for your children run deeper than God's love for them? If you, if I who are evil and sinful, if we don't want our loved ones, if we don't want our children to die from sickness and disease, how much more would a loving, heavenly father desire that? Where do you think, I mean, as you think about that, that, that love that we have as parents, those, those concerns that you and I carry in our hearts regarding our children, the desires, the hopes, the dreams, the aspirations that all of us in this room who are parents carry for our children, where did those come from? What's the source of that hope, that love, that desire, the dreams? What's the source? Where does that come from? And why is that consistent among most parents? We want the best for our children. Where does that come from? It comes from our Heavenly Father in whose image you and I have been made. How can we want something more for them than our Heavenly Father? And I think this is why Jesus gives us this insight into the heart of God. First John 4, 19 makes this pretty clear. It says, we love because and only because God first loved us. We are not the standard of love. He is. We're not the best at loving. God is. The only reason we know how to love, the only reason we can really express love is because God's love has been directed our way. God's love has filled us, and out of that filling, we are able to begin to love him in return. We are able to begin to love one another the way God loves us. 
any love we have for God is simply a reflection. It's a return of the love that has been given to us from him. But somehow we have bought into this concept, this idea that our love, our compassion, our desires, our hopes, our aspirations for our children's well-beings runs deeper and it runs contrary to God the Father's love, compassion, desires, and hope for his children. When we say, listen to this, think about this. When we say that God the Father has the power and the ability, and I don't think anybody in here would deny that or dispute that, that God has the power and the ability to heal people from sickness and disease, but what he lacks is the willingness to do it. What are we saying about God? God, you have the power, you have the ability to heal people, but God, what we question, what we doubt is your willingness to do it. What are we saying? What kind of aspersions are we casting upon the heart of God when we say you have the power, you have the ability, what we don't know and what we don't believe is that you're willing to do it. My God, what are we saying? What would it say about you as a parent? If you had the power and the ability to remove sickness and disease from your child, but you lacked the willingness to do it, what would that say about you as a parent? How would you feel about yourself as a parent if you looked at your child sick with disease on their deathbed, and as a parent, you say, I have the ability, I have the power to heal you, but what I lack is the willingness. What does that say about you as a parent? When we turn and say the same thing to our heavenly father, what are we saying about him? Who would want a parent like that? Would you want to be that kind of a parent? And yet we're very comfortable saying that, God, you have the power, you have the ability. We don't question that. What we question, what we doubt is your willingness. What are we saying? I think we are impugning and disparaging the person, the nature, the character of God the Father. And I think this kind of distorted, perverted, twisted theology and thinking and relating towards God really, folks, just comes out of a lack of biblical understanding. It really comes out of a place of unbelief. It comes out of a place of just ignorance and a lack of intimacy, a lack of knowing the true heart of Father God. That's why I believe it is so important. And I think why God longs to draw us into that intimate relationship and then heals us out of that. Because I think it's through that personal, that intimate, that loving encounter that we have with him, that we really begin to see that relationship that he longs to have with us as father to child, as Daddy, we talked about that last week. Abba, daddy, between son and daughter. There's just a preciousness to that. But if we have this image, if we have this understanding, if we have this thinking that somehow God loves, that, that God desires, that somehow God gets glory or pleasure out of putting sickness and disease upon his children, then I can understand why a lot of people keep that God far from them. I would too. Thankfully, that is not the father Jesus knew. It is not the father that Jesus came to reveal. And this is, again, why Jesus came. He came to dispel those myths, those misunderstandings, those things where we kind of get a twisted thinking on the heart and the nature of who God is. 
I mean, these are, these are just issues I've, I've wrestled with. And, and again, I don't walk in, in perfect healing all the time. But I'm learning, I'm growing, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming into deeper revelation, deeper understanding of that. Second way we position ourselves for healing is attend to God's word. Proverbs 4.20, he says, my son, attend to my words. To attend to the word of God, it means you just watch over it. You pay attention to what it says. Attending to the word of God involves, it's not just reading the word, but it is meditating on the word constantly and continually. There's a huge difference between reading the word and meditating on the word. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading the word. Now, I, don't, I don't know about you, but when I read the word, there will come phrases, there will come a word, there may come a chapter that just some, for some reason, the Holy Spirit just, it just grabs my heart with that. I was reading Ephesians the other day, and in the book of Ephesians, there was this phrase, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And I read that, and it just, it grabbed me, and I, and I stopped. I'm, I'm reading the word, and I stopped there, and I just began to meditate on that, to the praise of the glory of his grace, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And I just, I just kept meditating. I just kept repeating and I just stayed on that phrase probably for 20 minutes. And there was just such a peace. There was such a joy that just came over me as I just stopped and thought about that phrase, to the praise of the glory of his grace. That's meditating. There, there comes something from meditating as you're reading the word. Again, there's people who read the word of God and you will never be as effective, you will never be as victorious as those who meditate on the word. Okay? Psalm 1 gives us some insight as to the results of those who meditate upon the word of God. Beginning with verse 1, he says, how blessed, oh, how blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight or his pleasure is in the law of the Lord or the word of God. And in his law, God's law, God's word, he meditates day and night. There is just this sense of this constant. There is this continual abiding, focusing on, just, just reading and, and, and just peering deeply into the word of God. And then verse three says, let me show you, David says, what the results of a man who meditates upon God's word day and night, he said he will be like a tree firmly planted streams of water which yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does, he prospers. See, that's the difference between reading the word of God and meditating on the word of God. Attending to the word, which, which he says, my son, attend to my words, requires us, it beckons us to meditate on God's word, not just simply read it to read it. Jesus gives us a great example. You saw that uh, in, in the parable of the sower found in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 3. So the farmer went out to plant some seeds as he scattered them across the field. Some fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the soon, 
But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they did not have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. They produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So Jesus tells a parable, first parable he ever told. Now up to this point in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is very straightforward in his teaching. I mean, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall um, what is that? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit. I just taught on that stuff. So very straightforward. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, so he gives, he's just giving just nothing but straightforward teaching. Gets to Matthew 13, he shifts into parables, and everything he says from there on is parables. That's the first parable that he tells. Disciples were thrown off guard. They did not understand it. So they went to Jesus, and they said, what's with the parables? And we didn't get that at all. What did it mean, and what were you trying to say? So Jesus says in verse 18, here then, he says, and tells his disciples, here's the parable of the sower. He said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, the enemy, comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Now, the one on whom the seed was sown in the rocky places, he said, this is the person who hears the word. They immediately rejoice at what they hear, and he says, yet has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary when affliction, persecution arises because of the word, God's word, immediately he falls away. The one in whom the, so the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. The worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit, brings forth some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. Now, what's interesting is you kind of go through and begin to look at this parable. Every one of them heard the word. Okay, the seed in the, and Jesus said in, in uh, other places in Scripture, he said the seed really represents in the parable the word of God. So every one of them, regardless of the soil, every one of them heard the word. The only difference in the parable was the one who represented the good soil, not only heard the word, but he understood the word. He, he applied what he heard. That's the only difference. He applied, he understood what it was he was hearing. They all heard, but only one understood. They all heard, only one was obedient. They all heard, but only one applied what he heard. I'm going to give you the key to the parable. If you haven't already figured it out, you can hear the word. But the only way that you're going to be blessed, the only way that you're going to benefit from what you're hearing is when you begin to apply it. James says, don't be a hearer of the word only. But you've got you to join what you're hearing with doing. He said, don't be just a hearer of the word. You gotta be a doer of the word. Don't just be a reader of the word. You gotta be a meditator on the word. And the only way you'll understand the word of God is by meditating on it. Remember what Paul said, in, or what Psalm 1 said, the one who meditates upon the word day and night constantly, continually, will be like a tree planted firmly by streams of water, yielding its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. A person who just reads the word will have the seed stolen from them. Okay? You'll have a very shallow depth of understanding if all you're doing is reading the word to check off some kind of a Bible checklist or just to read the word to read the word. If you're not meditating on it, if you're not, and that's one of the things. I always pray when I'm, when I'm reading the scripture, Holy Spirit, give me illumination. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. You are the counselor. You are the one who leads us into all truth. So I always ask, Holy Spirit, illuminate this. 
Give me understanding, give me revelation, and give me application. Show me how to walk out what I'm learning, what I'm reading, what I'm meditating on. All, and just, just pray that. Pray that in your own way. You don't have to pray the way I pray it. Just pray. Just Holy Spirit, give me insight, give me revelation, give me illumination into your word, and then help me to live it. Help me to walk it out. Help me to apply what it is I'm learning, what I'm, what I'm meditating on. Um, very, very important. Trying to be careful of my time here. Hebrew word for the meditate, now I'll kind of close with this. Hebrew word for meditate means to ruminate. And this definition, it's, it's, the best way to understand it is a cow chewing its cud. Uh, best way I've ever really understood this. You know, the cow that swallows what it has eaten just kind of brings it back up, chews on it, swallows it, brings it back up, chews on it, swallows it, brings it back up, chews on it, and swallows it. That's, that's what it means to, to meditate on the word. It, it, it's just, you, you just kind of, you kind of bring it up, you, you speak it out, you meditate on it, you think on it, you ask the Holy Spirit for insight, for revelation. Give. There are times I'll read something that I don't understand. Say, Holy Spirit, give, I, I don't understand this. This is confusing. I don't, I don't know what you're saying here. Give me, give me, give me revelation. Give me illumination on this. Um, and so I'll just kind of wait on the Holy Spirit. And then he'll just start to give me revelation, start to give me understanding. And so what I, what I do in that process is as, as he's beginning to give that to me, I just, okay, I, I, I take it in. I, I'm, I'm turning it around in my mind. Bring it back up, you know, uh, Swallow it, you know, bring it back up. Swallow, you know. So there, there's just a process that you go through as you're meditating on the word, particularly things that maybe the Holy Spirit is illuminating. Maybe he kind of stops you at a certain place or you're just at a place where you were, I, I don't understand this. And, and again, that's where you just stop and just take some time and meditate on that. Um, it's a crude way of looking at it, but it really provides a picture of what it means to meditate on the Word of God. Now, interesting, one of the Hebrew scholars defines the word meditate as to ponder, to study, to speak. It implies what we express by talking uh, to ourselves. So when you hear the Word of God, you need to ponder it, you need to study it, get it into your heart, pull it back up into your conscious thinking, roll it over in your mind, mutter it, speak it, meditate on it. Um, and when you read the word of God, after you're reading word after word, verse after word, verse, chapter after chapter, you just kind of begin to meditate um, on the word. I was reading... Um, I'm in a book right now called Soul Transformation, and I'm on a chapter right now where um, he's talking on walking by the Spirit. And I, I, was, I was reading this last night, and so Galatians says that, that we, we need to walk by the Spirit, and I'm going to end with this, um, that we need to walk by the Spirit. And so I, I came up across this uh, chapter in here, and he says, um, Therefore, to be occupied with the things of the Spirit is to be occupied with living a life of faith. Um, and he says, the walk of faith is one in which we submit to the truths of Scripture. It amounts to studying, believing, trusting, obeying, and affirming these truths. He said, I strongly emphasize the concept of affirming truth because that in a nutshell that is the essence of faith you affirm the truths of scripture over and over again until they find complete peace and rest in your soul this involves wrestling with the truth we're doing some of that tonight meditating upon it and confirming it with other passages of scripture when you affirm a particular truth it will settle confidently and peacefully in your soul. Kind of like what you did, that by your stripes I am healed. That there, there was a, a place in your heart, your spirit, your soul, where that took root and, and it manifested what it, what it was intended to do. God's word returned, um, not void, uh, for you. And, that, and that's what it does. When you just get it in there, when you just meditate on that, when you ponder it, when you just, again, you just, like that, you know, cow's cut. It just over and over and over again. So when you really believe a truth, 
you are able to confidently lean upon it with all your weight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. The most incredible truth that any believer can affirm is the fact that God really loves them. You know, that, that really is probably one of the hardest truths to affirm. I, have, I can believe God loves Jeannie and Jim and Dan and maybe Jason. <laughs> he knows I'm joking. I love Jason. God loves him. But that really is. That is probably, I think, one of the hardest truths to affirm is that God really loves me. Sadly, most Christians question God's love for them because deep down they know they really aren't lovely. But he says, that's not the issue. The truth is, no human being is lovely. God doesn't love us because we're lovely. He loves us because he is love. Isn't that true? Let me read that again. Sadly, most Christians question God's love for them because deep down they know they really aren't lovely. But that's not the issue. The truth is no human being is lovely. God does not love us because we are lovely. He loves us because he is love. Knowing that truth is incredibly liberating. Nothing we can do can make God love us more or make God love us less. That is the wonderful reality of the God we worship Affirm the truth of that reality every day of your life. Only when you truly believe that God really, truly, deeply loves you will it transform your life. What's one of the first songs we ever learned as children growing up? Jesus loves me, this I know. That is a truth that we need to be able to affirm, that we really need to be able to be confident in because it's really everything else flows from that. Jesus said the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He said the second one is like it in that you will love your neighbor as yourself. When, when we get that Right When we get ourselves positioned correctly on that one, it positions us for everything else. So again, I would just say to you tonight, if, if you think about that concept that, that God is smitten with you, God is nuts about you, however you want to phrase that, if you cannot confidently say that about yourself, that is a place I would encourage you just to begin to speak that truth to yourself over and over and over. Affirm that truth over and over and over about yourself. God loves me. Not because I'm lovely, not because I'm lovable, but because he is love. And just begin to affirm that over yourself. Amen? All right, worship team, you guys can come back up. Yes? Can I say one more? You sure can. I don't know what I, oh, here's your mic. You can close us in worship tonight, too, if you want. <laughs> I, one of the things that I forgot to mention, and, and, and that's exactly what, what Jeff was talking about, was the whole thing that we look at our humanness. Are we lovely? Are we people that God loves? Instead of saying, we are God's children. So one of the things that, I, that happened to me when I uh, commanded was doubt immediately came into my mind. One of the sta statements that I heard was, doubt your doubts. Isn't that amazing when we get a doubt, how we meditate on that? Yeah. Instead of saying no. So I jumped over my doubt. That's the only image that I have is I jumped over my doubt and I said, can Jesus heal me? Yep. And I knew that. And that's what we need to affirm. So. Amen. Yep. Awesome. And that's what, when we, when we prayed for Dennis last week, that what was so awesome about that was we were praying over Dennis and he was having a lot of pain in, in one of his legs. He could hardly walk up here. And we had him sit down in the chair, and we and, and we and I think Barb and I think Tom and Pam came over, and we just 
you know, laid hands on him, we really began to pray. What was so amazing was, was midway through the, the, the time of prayer, Dennis began to say, by his stripes, I am healed. And I looked at Dennis and I said, you're, you are now coming into agreement with us. And it was there that God really manifested that healing because he just started to cooperate, really, and, and just allowing the Word of God to begin to operate in his life. That's where, again, it's so important for your healing, for any of the promises of God. Uh, whatever you need from God, if you can just get a promise in the Scriptures, uh, in the Word, that corresponds to your need, and just begin to speak that promise of God over that particular need. And, and again, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're going to begin to build faith for that. So I kind of watched Dennis, and I was listening to him as, as you kind of said that. You know, and at first when he said it, he was really kind of timid, and he was really quiet. By, by his stripes, I'm healed. As he continued, and I just said to him, keep speaking that. Don't stop. Keep saying that. And it, the more he said it, the bolder and the more confident he became as he affirmed that truth over himself. So I'm on Sunday, and I said, how's that healing? And he said, I haven't had a problem since then. And that's, again, that's the power of just that affirming. And I said to him, that's what you got to do. And I, I've shared that with you guys. That was a huge scripture for me, was by his stripes, I am healed. And, and I just said that over uh, some sickness I was having. And it just completely left. And so again, that's the importance of just taking the word as you're meditating on it and, and just beginning to apply it to walk it out in your situation. You close this because it's really dangerous to hand another preacher a mic. You realize that? I do. Good. Hey, Father, we just thank you so much tonight. Father, I just thank you that, again, as Jesus uh, taught and really was uh, just really trying to straighten our hearts out and giving us an accurate picture of who you are. And Jesus said, if there's any of you here tonight that would ask God for bread, that he's not going to give you a shoe or a rock or a snake. So tonight, God, I know that there are needs here. And God, tonight there may be a lot of faith and a lot of belief, God, that you have the power, you have the ability to meet those needs, whether they're healing, whether they're financial, whether they're relational, whatever those needs may be. That God, tonight we may just sit here and, and, and we may be very confident, God, in your power and your ability to do it, to give it, to grant it. And God, tonight what we maybe question is your willingness. And God, tonight as we kind of sit and we look even at ourselves as parents, look at our children and God we know that we would never be that kind of a parent to our children how much more how much more will you our loving perfect gracious kind good, merciful, faithful Father give to his children whatever we need so tonight Father I just ask Lord for those who have needs tonight that God we come tonight affirming by faith by your word that you are able you're willing to give above and beyond all that we could think or imagine. So God, we just invite you into those places of our needs, those places of our hurts, those places of sickness and disease, those places of poverty whether it's financial or spiritual. We just invite you, God, to come into those places. And that, God, you would just begin to move on our behalf as that loving parent.
who longs that it is your delight, it is your good pleasure to give good gifts to bless your children. And I just thank you that you are that kind of a loving Father. Father, I also just pray for people tonight, God, as they think about that phrase that God really loves me. That God, maybe for some tonight, that's not a reality. They really don't believe that. God, I pray tonight, power the presence of your Holy Spirit, that God, you would open their hearts tonight. And that God, you would just begin to pour forth your love into their hearts in a way, God, that it would just begin to just wash away all of the doubts all of the unbelief that that can't possibly be true. God, would you overwhelm them with the love that says, it is true, I love you. And I desire to bless you. I desire to make that love abound more and more in our hearts. And so, Father, we just thank you. We invite you to come. God, just move amongst us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.